Welcome to Digital Customer Experience Podcast by Kiosk. I'm Daniel Paul, and I'm thrilled to bring you stories, insights, and expert opinions from the ever-evolving world of digital customer experience. Whether you're a tech guru, a business leader, or just curious about digital real, this is the place to be. Let's dive in. Today, we have a special treat for all of our listeners. From the bustling corridors of Denmark's premier strategy and branding agency to the cutting edge of world of MarTech and digital data, our next guest has seen it all. With a journey that took him from serving global clients to being headhunted by Telenor Denmark, where he swiftly climbed the ranks to become the director, head of marketing and digital. Please welcome a titan in both traditional and digital marketing realms, Anders Hove. Welcome, Anders. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure. We are so happy to have you on our podcast. And with decades of experience in marketing and working with the telecom industry, we are so pleased that your expert opinion and insights are just going to make this podcast amazing. Thanks. So the first icebreaker question that I want to ask is like, in the world of marketing, there's constantly new buzzwords that's coming in. Like, for example, now it's like AI, Web 3.0, and so on. What is that one buzzword back in those days that you heard a lot and you're like kind of missing or you don't see it these days? What would it be? Yeah, but, but I have a, a very recently used buzzwords, uh, buzzword, uh, and it was uh, Metaverse. It still is used a little bit, and, and I know that a lot of companies are actually still building uh, Metaverses and so on. But but I actually did a Google trend here for like, I think it was uh, two months ago, where I tried to Google trend uh, Metaverse and Google trend uh, AI, and it was just fantastic to see the different or fantastic or very mind-blowing to see the different in terms of uh, all the searches on on chat gbt ai and so on and almost none no searches on the metaverse so so i think uh, that's a definitely a word that we will probably still continue using and we'll maybe still uh, build metaverses or some companies will but, but it's definitely not uh, high on the agenda right now in the marketing uh, world. That is, that is true. What you're saying is absolutely true. And why do you think that happens in the marketing realm? Like when there's a buzzword, everyone uses it. Also the fact that Web 3.0 or 2.0, people keep continuing, continuing to use that or adapt it. Why, why does the buzzword stop? Are people constantly looking for some new things that they could catch on, like you know, a shiny object syndrome? What, what are your thoughts on that? But I, I think... Uh, Agencies and consultancy companies definitely have a have a big interest in terms of really trying to push these new new buzzwords because new buzzwords, new uh, stuff, new uh, project will 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 create and and demand new projects uh, for agencies, consultancies, and so on. So so they definitely have a, a big interest in in trying to to really create a awareness and 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 focus on these buzzwords. So first of all. How can companies strike a balance between creating growth and managing expenses? Can you identify strategies that have worked for you and for the companies that you work for? Yeah, I can try to, but it's definitely not easy uh, to uh, to both create uh, growth and then also reduce cost at the same time. This is uh, actually a pretty pretty uh, huge challenge because it's you normally say that uh, hey, it costs money to make money. So, uh, so if you want to create growth, it, you probably need to invest 
in in some areas. So so really creating growth and then also saving expenses or creating a, a better bottom line is is definitely not easy. If I should try to to put some some uh, some steps on or some tangible uh, steps on, I would definitely look into evaluating uh, the organization, try to simplify and or even maybe cut some processes. That's where uh, we in Telenor has definitely seen some some pretty good uh, effects. So really trying to to build uh, simple, easy processes in terms of how we bring products to market, how we uh, we go to market. Um, that could probably maybe also lead to uh, some uh, some FTE efficiency. Uh, so uh, so changing your organization and look look at how you can actually be more agile, how you can be more like swift in terms of bringing products to market. That would be one one way uh, or, or one step I would look into. Yep. Then uh, reducing cost to serve that is definitely also a big one. Uh, we could see that we had some some products or some some uh, like areas where we had a lot of cost to serve, so it costed customers were calling in many times and so on. So of course that drove a high cost. So we, we looked at, okay, how can we actually bring down that cost? How we could, could we actually make customers call us less because they had, maybe we were not good enough when we sold the product to actually explain how would you get started? How should you set up your device? How should you do this? Uh, so, uh, so there, uh, really work with the cost of to serve. That that is definitely also uh, a place where you can uh, you can really find efficiency. Then, of course, also looking at the sales mix. How do you actually optimize uh, your channel? Uh, how do you use the different channels to different purposes? Uh, so maybe you have a channel that is uh, pretty costly. It maybe costs some. If, if it's an external uh, distribution channel, uh, it could maybe cost a fee to get a sales in that channel. But could you actually work in terms of trying to push sales to other own more cheaper channels? Uh, of course, that could also be a way to, uh, to, to, to gain efficiency. Just when you do that, uh, just a small side note to that. Of course, it's very important to look at the customer lifetime value here because one channel could be very efficient in creating uh, acquisition. Uh, some channel could maybe drive a very hard, could be very costly to acquire the customer in that uh, channel. Uh, but maybe it's a customer that will stay for a very many years. So maybe look at the customer lifetime value of the CLV to opt when, when you do this optimization. And then the last one, would be to uh, to look into how you can actually optimize and how you can restructure your marketing budget. Uh, look at incremental sales uh, in terms of how you really, really get the most out of your marketing spend. Uh, so you really drive sales uh, in the most efficient way. It's 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 amazing, like how uh, when describing about cutting the cost or managing the expenses, but also still wanting to grow the company, it doesn't just stop down to one department. It is the overall company's pipeline and also aligning with the top management till the end of like, let's say people who are bringing in like, you know, customer service or just, you know, handling emails. So my question now is like, you know, people are losing jobs and there is cuts happening every everywhere, but companies also provide jobs. So do you think 
now the introduction of AI is more advantageous to the company in cutting down people. What are your thoughts on that? Because we as marketers, we know AI is coming in fast. What are your thoughts on managing expenses using AI? I think I think AI can definitely do a fantastic job in, in creating more efficient organizations. But uh, and and of course, all the all the research I've seen, uh, it's they are saying the same. Uh, actually, the same. They're painting the same picture. In the in the first period of time, uh, we will lose some jobs, but uh, but hopefully, and everybody predicts that AI uh, and working with AI and so on will actually create more jobs in the future. So uh, so yes, they will probably take away some jobs here uh, for the next period of time, but but hopefully they will uh, AI and and working with data and all that will create more jobs uh, when we look a little bit further out. Uh, yeah, in the years. So, uh, yeah. and, and I think if, if uh, as a company, you need to embrace uh, AI, you need to look in to how you can actually uh, utilize uh, all the new stuff. Otherwise, you will be left behind. Absolutely. I agree with you 100% because these are the thoughts that, you know, usually goes in the minds of people who are directly or indirectly affected by, you know, AI. And I just wanted to throw this question to you because you are a marketing director and you are you're managing teams and you see the implementation of AI in your daily work. And you also know that the company wants to cut down. So I think this answer is good. Like we're looking for a trend of first losing jobs and then gaining jobs back again in one way or the other. All right. So thank you for the really uh, detailed answer. And now I want to ask you the second part of the question. And this is, again, very close to what you do. Positioning and strategy is something that you love. So in terms of positioning, you mentioned the importance of understanding uh, what customers buy into the most, identifying the competitors, and finding a gap in the market. Can you elab elaborate on this strategy, on how it intertwines with uh, investing in brand communication or just a tactical campaign? Yeah, I think uh, and, and you are to to my to my mind it's uh, it's all about strategy here uh, strategy is crucial in terms of uh, building a successful company so uh, so if you are able to actually understand the market uh, understand your competitors and i would say most importantly actually understand uh, your customers then you are already off uh, for, uh, for a good start uh, so uh, so really, really, I would recommend everybody to really spend time in identifying the position. Okay, what kind of position uh, would you actually like the company to have uh, or is the right one for the company? Of course, you cannot just change uh, the whole legacy and the history of the company. But, uh, but, but it's so important that you look at uh, what kind of position uh, is actually the most is free in the market. Uh, also look at your competitors. Are they position? How are they positioned? Uh, and also, of course, uh, talk to your customers in terms of uh, what kind of position is most uh, like. Do they want to buy into? Because of course, you can find a position uh, that no no customers is actually buying into, and that's of course not an attractive position. So, really, really, you need the customer here to to help you, guiding you in in the right position. And then when you have done that and you have actually described it, of course, you need to then uh, describe and define the brand that's fitting this position and delivering uh, the position. And then after that, 
Uh, of course, also do the products uh, because every, every everything needs to to fit together here. So the position, the brand, and then of course supported by products because you cannot, in my mind, build a brand if you don't have strong products. Uh, a strong brand uh, is only done built on the right products that customers uh, really really value. So, so everything needs to to go hand in hand here, uh, if you want to create a strong brand. Um, so, what, and and that's exactly also what we did for some years ago uh, in Telenor. We 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 had a, a full project where we said, okay, what should be the position? Uh, we could see that uh, that uh, security and privacy and uh, and safety was a big big concern for for Danish consumers. So, uh, so we said, okay, and we could also see no, no competitors was actually uh, positioned uh, within this field. So we said, okay, uh, if this is so important for the co- uh, consumers, hey, let's position uh, the company on that and then build a brand platform actually communicating that and also building products supporting that. So, and this has just uh, really, really created nice momentum. Brilliant, brilliant. And I like the way that you don't you think about how positioning adds value and also not just from the marketing perspective but also from the company's perspective it makes a lot of sense the next question that i have in my mind that i wanted to ask you is again touching back base or touching back the question that we already discussed about because this is something that i hear every day i want to ask your opinion on this from your experience what are the top five most impactful steps or processes when utilizing data and AI to address, to reduce churn? Yeah, it, and it's definitely a big question, I would say. So, uh, but, but learning from data and also uh, creating uh, AI ML models uh, have a tremendous effect on, uh, on your business. So uh, it can help you not only reduce churn, it can also help you uh, in your acquisition. It can also help you in how to maximize your marketing spend, when to cross an upsell uh, and so on. So so using data, uh, being clever here is definitely something that that you need to do. Uh, <clears throat> most companies I've been into working together with is, is actually struggling a little bit uh, in actually getting the full benefit uh, and it's because they maybe start a little bit backwards. Uh, they start with technology and say, okay, we need, we need the right technology to actually enable us. But it, it's, it's not only about technology, it's about strategy, it's about processes, it's about technology, of course. But then I would say most importantly, it's actually about humans so, uh, so, and the operating model. So actually, how can you actually get humans to work with data, uh, how can you actually get the right operating model, uh, put in the right team uh, and the right mindset actually in, in within your organization to actually really like work with data, get the full benefit out of it. Uh, and it's about defining ownership. It's about building the organization and the competences. It's about uh, identifying uh, adaptation and also how you can actually create value. So, so it's, it's a, and, and I think that's the human part is actually uh, most of the time the brick that's missing uh, because maybe you have done a data strategy and you have probably also done some processes uh, and technology is in place, but you are forgetting the human part. 
so so humans are so important in terms of really utilizing this uh, so uh, and, and if, if I should go a little bit more into uh, to churn reduction, I would say really look into uh, to the customer experience. Uh, of course, understand why our consumer or your customers churning. Uh, are we not good enough at, in, at actually informing and reminding uh, them about the value that we are creating? Are we not rewarding uh, the loyal customers? Uh, are we actually not recognizing our best customers and, and giving some small treats and so on or delights all these stuff if you're not doing this you need to do it but again really understanding the dynamics here in terms of why are customers churning uh, and i would say one of the learnings we had was that okay the actually and it's maybe a little bit uh, strange answer but actually the most important uh, step in terms of uh, doing uh, working with churn and and getting it down was actually looking at our acquisition because if we just acquired the right customers uh, instead of just bringing in too being too aggressive in the acquisition we could just see the impact of the churn uh, quite a bit but then again you could also and when you have uh, identified the customers and and what is actually the churn reasons and so on of course you can try to build use data and you can try to build models in terms of okay what kind of triggers do we actually have every time a trigger gets in uh, it could be uh, you have a customer uh, researching on uh, on on the website okay is that a trigger a data point that you can actually use uh, it could also be end of uh, end of binding period uh, so in denmark we uh, when we sell a device uh, we bind people for six months uh, and then after that period you are free to go to another uh, supplier uh, or operator uh, that's of course also a crucial mo moment so can we actually rebind could we do something here and and we have actually built some models to actually predict churn based on data so so we we can see okay where is actually the right moment what are the right triggers to 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 really okay, here we have a customer, here we need to do an effort. It could be send an email with a, with a new offer. It could be a push message in the app. It could also be outbound call to the customer, say, hey, are you happy? Could we do something here? Of course, before they turn, because if they have turned, it's too late. Then it's another game. Then it's trying to win them back. Well, I really love all of these steps that you've broken down because People usually, let's say, from the marketing angle, we try to get as many leads as possible. As you said, acquisition is really important. It has to be a qualified lead, even if they buy, if their interest levels are not the same as the one that actually wants to buy a product. The chance of churning is higher. And the next, the next interesting thing that I also find is that you need to have a system in place when you know this is the time, like the fifth month, third week you know that they are gonna you know they have the chance of moving to another customer and the strategy needs to be in place even before they become a customer and there needs to be a follow-up strategy there needs to be like a material marketing material sales collateral around it and people need to know what to call and talk to them and these are the strategies i think you know it's very helpful for any businesses so thank you for that this is super super valuable and if i should just uh, just say okay how to actually get started uh, and, and actually say, okay, five steps here to, to actually get started. I would say understand and analyze uh, the customer uh, before you actually can reduce churn. You need to understand it. 
uh, then analyze data and actually make sure that you have the data available uh, to actually yeah, do these kind of triggers and so on. Then build a hypothesis and actually test them and remember to evaluate and then learn and then scale. Brilliant. Five simple steps. I don't think they are rocket science, but it's they are proven to uh, to be very, very valuable. Love it. Love it. I'm going to go to our last but one question. And this is something this is something that I, I actually wanted to discuss. And this is a buzzword now. <laughs> what are the top three insights you've gathered from omnichannel experiences influence on the telecom industry? Really understanding uh, the customers here and also the journey, because uh, if you if you look at creating omnichannel experiences, you you can you can be overwhelmed with all the stuff you can do and all the stuff you need to do to create uh, an omnichannel experience. So so really understand the customers, uh, understand the journey they are going through, pinpoint the most important critical steps in 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 the journey, and then focus there to say okay, it could be onboarding, it could be. Uh, after six months or whatever and it could also be in the purchase uh, so okay it could be we don't have i can't see the same offers uh, i could i have bought in one channel i can't return in another channel and so on if, if these are the most uh, critical steps in the journey focus on start with those and focus on those because otherwise you could it's a it's a big 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 task in creating uh, a full omni-channel experience so uh, so so start small and and that would also see uh, start small test learn scale uh, a little bit uh, as i said before uh, and then do it based on your customers and the journey thank you thank you very much anders and we're almost coming to the end of the podcast but this is a question i personally want to know and just like me all the other marketers who, who are listening to this wants to know in your decades in your decade long marketing career what are some lessons that you learned the hard way that you don't want to pass on to those who are aiming to be in the leadership position like chief marketing officer or head of marketing or marketing director what would you say to them first firstly uh, marketing is uh, or branding is actually more craft uh, than than something that you can learn on business school or, or like learn, read it from a book. Uh, you need to get out, get tangible experience here in actually working with different brands, working with di different companies and so on, or within companies to actually okay, what are the mechanisms that is uh, that is working here? How how can we actually uh, yeah creating a, a strong brand or, or an efficient uh, marketing campaign? So, so really go out and don't, don't believe that now you have been uh, a BA in, in marketing strategy or whatever, and now you know everything. Uh, get out uh, and, and get tangible uh, like experience. And then, uh, of course, <clears throat> always focus on, uh, on impact and actually showing the results here. And that, that's, that's something that I sometimes still can tend to forget because Oh, everybody uh, should can. It's so obvious that hey, everything is going good, 
but but you really need to to explain and communicate uh, across uh, every stakeholders uh, your results and and what what impact uh, the stuff that you're doing is actually creating and then uh, the last thing i would say that uh, also believe in yourself uh, believe in, uh, in 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 what you have to offer so uh, so if Go into discussions. Uh, I, I would I would way, way rather have have young employees uh, that are ready to discuss and and don't get oh now now it's the big boss talking so uh, so push back. Uh, of course, only if you have something to deliver and, and you are ready to fight for for what you believe in. But uh, but this is also marketing is also a little bit about opinion and. Not, probably no right and wrongs here so so really uh, go into the discussions and then don't be afraid to uh, to yeah to to fight for what you believe in amazing amazing and one one follow-up question about you like there's so many people that might be as good as you or even better but they're not in the marketing role my question to you is what sets you apart as a marketer is it the communication skills or is it the technical skills or is it your personality or is it your willingness to learn or all of them? What are your thoughts oh, on yeah, this? That's a, that's a fantastic good question. Uh, <laughs> I, I would say it's a, it's a, in a marketing role, you need to be willing to learn and you need to be willing to adapt because then social media came. Then uh, when, when I started, uh, we, we thought, okay, if we should uh, reach, um, it could be joiners or architects or in a B2B campaign. Okay, we need to go to this magazine, a printed magazine, and where there could we have an offline printed ad. Then social media, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, whatever came. Then uh, CRM almost was something that we all talked about. Um, and then now we are talking about AI and so on. So you definitely need to be uh, willing to, to learn and adapt here. But but I think it's also as something about having the right balance between uh, data and analytical skills in terms of understanding and so on. But also in some some uh, some cases, trust your gut feeling uh, because uh, sometimes it's all as marketing is also like right. It could, I could be just as right as you could be in in some area, and sometimes you also need to test. Uh, and trust your gut feeling here. So, so it's a, a full mix of a lot of different things uh, that you need to put into play. Definitely not easy, but uh, fun, fun. Love it. This, this is one of the best answers that I've gotten, hands down, because I read a book uh, called Storytelling Through Data. And this is exactly what was mentioned in the book. They said, the best leaders, the best marketers, the best business owners believe in the data but they also believe in instinct. They just don't trust the data that much. They do trust the data, but it's their instinct and the combination with the data makes them the great leaders. Anders, you are a great leader and thank you for this amazing insight. This was, this was a really heartfelt conversation. I've learned a lot from this. And to our viewers, if you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to like, share and subscribe for more in-depth discussions on the digital customer experience. Drop us a comment below with your thoughts and any questions you might have for future guests. Until next time, stay curious and keep innovating. Thank you. Thank you, Anders. It's been a real pleasure. <laughs>